How's it going, everybody? Welcome back for episode two of the Music Business Podcast that, as of this recording, doesn't have a name yet. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure at this point, you all know what the name is, uh, since we've, I'm sure, gone back and edited in the name of the podcast to the intros of the episodes and, and maybe even made an actual intro little sequence for uh, the previous episodes. Hopefully that'll be coming up shortly. Uh, in this episode here. Uh, but we weren't lying to you when we said that this is truly a learning experience for all of us. And that includes me and Jake. And this episode is going to be one that we're going to have to listen to because it's a an episode about branding yourself and what you need to do in order to project a consistent image. So, I mean, there's only one way to figure out if we've been successful in that and made a name for this podcast and that's to roll the intro. You're listening to Self-Signed Artist, the podcast that helps independent musicians run their brand like a business. Now, your hosts, Kobe Nelson and Jake Mannix. Hey, we did it. You hear that name? Mm-hmm. Not bad, huh? So you can trust us. We know what we're doing. We're not just making this up as we go. So last episode, we hopefully convinced you that while having good music is definitely super important, it's only part of what you need in order to be successful as an artist. It's an essential piece of your brand. So today we want to help you cross the starting line and start thinking about your brand as a whole. There's tons that goes into this. So today we're really going to be talking big picture. And from there, we'll be able to get into the weeds a little bit and discuss the individual parts of your brand in future episodes. So let's start off with the basics. What is a brand? We normally think of brands relating to products that we can buy, like Coca-Cola or Apple or Charmin. Um, yeah, I don't know why I said Charmin. That's a weird thing to group with Apple. <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got toilet paper on my mind with this shortage during the COVID quarantine. But we also we always picture logos and slogans and all this kind of salesy stuff that kind of makes us feel a little gross, or at least it does for me. I don't really like thinking about brands or brand name things. I don't know, maybe if you're really into fashion or something like that, brand name stuff is, is kind of your deal. But for me, the word brand always feels a little, uh, I don't know, it makes me it makes me a little a little wary. But the idea of a brand is actually super simple and intuitive, more so than we normally think of. A brand at its core is just an identifier. It's a label that lets you know what something is who it belongs to, and, and where it came from. So this concept goes way, way back to long before big corporations and all this salesy kind of tactic stuff that we're, we're more familiar with. And it really started with farmers who wanted to keep track of their livestock. Their cows kept getting stolen or, I don't know, misplaced or mistaken for some other farmer's cows. It was really just a way to keep track of their property, what they owned. So their solution was 
a smart one. It was to mark their cows as theirs, to brand their cows. They fashioned a uniquely shaped brand, usually with their initials or some small identifying picture, like, I don't know, a sun or a moon. You'd see all kinds of different things depending on the the farm or the ranch. And then they, you know, burned it into their cows, as you do. They mark their cattle. <laughs> so this idea got adapted into the corporate world eventually. And now every company is slapping their stylized name on everything that they make. So this is where we kind of get that salesy, like off taste from, from seeing all this branding. But it really came from completely practical origins. So as customers, since we know who makes branded stuff we buy, when we find something we like, we become loyal to those brands and keep going back and buying more stuff. That's how this gets used nowadays. So we're able to identify the stuff we might like even before we buy it because it comes from a brand whose stuff we already know we like. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah. So like when Apple puts out a new computer, I know that I will most definitely like that computer over something like, I don't know, like uh, an Alienware or Dell or, you know, HP or whoever makes Windows computers. I haven't used one in so long because I like the Apple brand. You know what I mean? Yeah. They've, they've, you've created some sort of brand loyalty to Apple because you've used it and enjoyed it and it's worked for you. Mm. So what is a brand when it comes to your artist business? It's anything that identifies you as you. And it can also be something that identifies you as part of a larger community or a group of like-minded people. That is really what creates the connection between you and your audience. Uh, your music is the hook that gets people interested, but your brand is what builds a relationship and makes them want to keep coming back and keeps them dedicated as a fan. Yeah, it's the idea that people are investing in. Right. It's, it's the bigger idea of who, who this person is, like they're larger than life. Yeah, absolutely. So to put it mildly, it's extremely important. It's everything to your career, and it's something that takes extra careful consideration to get right. So I guess the next question is, what is considered part of your brand? We kind of said everything. Mm -hmm. Your brand is literally everything about you that's visible to the outside world. It's the front of the building. It's the the storefront, you could say. It's everything that people see from the outside. So that is a ton of things. It's your music. It's your name, which <clears throat> we, we can't really talk too much about, not having a name yet. <laughs> it's how you look and how you talk, your personality and your sense of humor, your visuals and your social media. That's a, a pretty big one. Right. And your, and your social media visuals are going to be different from what you'd want to have on your website. Like your website should represent you almost like an EPK would. And an EPK is an electronic press kit. And uh, if you don't know what that is, I'm sure we'll talk about that more at some point. So you want you want your your website to represent you like an EPK would, and you want your socials to represent you as a brand as well. But you're gonna need a lot more content. So what that looks like will change depending on how you want to be seen on a day to day basis. Yeah, I think that's a good thing to to point out is that both of those are gonna be visual content that you're putting out, but 
while they have to fit the same vibe as an overall part of your brand, they're going to be serving different purposes. So, I mean, that also brings us, you make a good point about your website. That's another, another huge part of your brand. Mm-hmm. And there are tons of other things. It's your philosophies and beliefs, your team and who you associate with. I mean, I could go on for a long time with things that fit into your brand. It's basically all encompassing. It's literally everything that anybody sees. And that's both what makes it extremely effective and also, I think for a lot of people, terrifyingly overwhelming. It's just a lot. So where do you start with sorting through all of this? It's a lot to think about. Luckily, in the music business, there's a pretty clear start line, I think. And if you listen to episode one, you already know what that is. You start with your music. And maybe that's obvious even if you didn't hear episode one because you're a musician. But what exactly is it that you do? In business, this is called your niche or your niche. I never know which is the proper pronunciation for that. Niche or niche. I'm going to say niche (laughs) for this episode. You can think of it as your specialty or your little slice of the greater pie when it comes to whatever industry you're in, in this case, music industry. So for music, a lot of people think this means genre and just genre. But I would argue it's more than that. And we're about to talk about how, but it is in some ways related to genre. So how do you, as an artist, sum up your niche? If you've ever tried to have a conversation with another musician about your music or about their music, you know that summing it up in a sentence is not nearly as easy as you'd think it would be or as near, nearly as easy as it should be. I've had so, so many conversations with artists and heard descriptions like, you know, my band is pop punk and, you know, post-hardcore, but with like, R&B vocal influences, and I mean, like, sometimes EDM-ish elements, but, you know, we also have a few songs that are more metalcore and more melodic, but, you know, like, you've you've heard a conversation like that, or you've had a conversation like that, and you've probably, I'm betting, you've probably said something like that at some point, because I know I have when I was, was making music and playing in bands and things like that. It's a tough, it's a tough thing to talk about. I mean, even if you don't have that conversation, you can hear it in a lot of people's music where one single is EDM and the next is hip hop or, you know, whatever, something else. And as musicians or just creatives, we really don't like to put ourselves in a box because it feels limiting and we want to feel free as creatives and be able to do what we want. Yeah. At the same time, though, we do need to have consistency with what we do if we expect anybody to actually get it. And there are so many artists out there pulling people's attention in different directions that it's hard enough to sort through it all and find you as an artist as it is, let alone if you're giving off a bunch of conflicting messages. So really that's the first thing to take care of. If there isn't any consistency there in your music itself, then you need to work on that first. Create a sound and stick to it, at least for a little while so you can develop a brand 
that people are going to recognize at first glance. You need time to actually develop that. So you have to stick with something long enough to do that. And don't worry too much about putting yourself in a box. It's a natural thing to be concerned about because we're creative, but you can always grow and refine yourself and and rebrand down the road. And people do this all the time. You could rebrand yourself every album if you want, a la Taylor Swift. Like every time she puts out a new album, she goes from like, I don't know, like cute country girl to like pop icon to like bad girl <laughs> to like dreamy whatever she is on this last album. Like every single time she puts something out, her image changes. She rebrands herself. So that's totally fine. And obviously she's been pretty successful in that. But you could also rebrand based on anything. You could go go by year or just era of your life based on whatever is going on. You know, it's fine. But within each stretch of time that you have one brand, it should be consistent. And that's really the key. And it should be a fairly long time between rebrands, too. You want people to feel like they've gotten to know you before you switch things up and then they need to, you know, get to know the new you. If you jump around too, too much, you're not only going to confuse your audience, but you won't have a solid foundation to build any brand on in the first mm. place. So that's kind of our main point here. That consistency is really key. And I don't know. Uh, I don't know about you, Jake, or, or people that you've talked to, but for some people, this seems to come really naturally. Maybe you write one style of music. You've always written that and it's all you listen to. You hang out with all like-minded people and they connect with what you do. It's kind of a little symbiotic thing. And, and that's great. You have the foundation taken care of there. For others, and I think most of us, it can be a lot more difficult to narrow down and focus in on one specific thing. A lot of us have a bunch of different interests and we kind of try and do everything and follow all of those creative pulls in different directions. So you need to evaluate yourself. And I recommend even writing it all down as you do it. For me, at least, it helps to see everything laid out in front of you. I think super visually. So I need to see it in order to be able to sort through all the options because there are, there are a ton of things. Yeah. Um, and when you are doing this stuff, you just need to be honest with yourself. Uh, like, do you make metal music one day and, and punk the next day? Or do you make pop some days and then other days you're making experimental electro music? Or to get even more out there, are you doing hip hop during the week and Gregorian chant on the weekends? <laughs> um, Gregorian you know, chant. Always back to Gregorian chant. Always back to Gregorian <laughs> chant. You know, figure out what you do now and then pause. Will that instantly make sense from an outside perspective at first glance? If I've never heard your work before and I stumble across your entire body of work or even just your stuff from the past year, can I sum up your, your niche or your niche in just a few words? <laughs> Will I get the entire idea? Will I get it? If your honest, objective, unbiased answer is no to that question, then you need to consciously choose something to base your brand on because you don't have the start of a brand yet. You don't have a specific enough niche to use as the foundation for your brand. 
So when you choose, I think the more specific, the better. So like ideally, the examples Jake just gave would still need to be narrowed down more, even if you just chose one of those genres. So say you chose hip hop and quit your weekend Gregorian chant side hustle thing. Hip hop is still too broad, I think. EDM is too broad. Pop is way, way, way too broad. Gregorian chant, I don't know, maybe maybe that's specific enough. Maybe you could run with that. But what I'm trying to get at is that genre alone doesn't really qualify as a niche. Even more narrow subgenres a lot of the time aren't specific enough to be a really good foundation for your brand. So a great way to get specific and create a unique foundation for your brand at the same time is to combine the influences that you draw on into one thing that's uniquely you. And this is really the best of both worlds. You can have your cake and eat it too here. If you can find a way to do both things, make pop music with unconventional experimental electronic sounds or whatever, then you have a good foundation. Or if you can incorporate Gregorian chant into hip hop, I mean, come on, send it to me because I want to hear that. That's a good foundation. That's something unique. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Send that to Jake to mix. He'll kill that. <laughs> the key is that you have to have one thing that you do well and bonus points if it's unique and interesting. You can't do one thing and then some of the other, dabble here, dabble there, that doesn't work. But you can do both things combined as long as you only do both combined. That will work, and it'll probably work even better than just choosing one or the other. That helps you get the bonus points of making something unique and interesting in addition to just being specific and clear about what you do. Once you have your thing that you do, your niche, the music part of your brand, then, like we said in episode one, you have to build the rest of your brand on top of that. If you remember from that episode, episode one, the music is only 50% of your brand, if that. It's the starting line. But 50% still-ish, that's, that's still good. You're on your way. That brings us to the meat of our topic today, and that's What's next? How do you go about building the rest of your brand on top of your music? And I don't know, Jake, maybe you would disagree, but I think this is where a lot of people screw up their chances for successful careers, even though they have great music. And it's almost always just by being consistent, it being inconsistent. Right. Yeah. Entirely. So I, I agree with that 100%. You know, I, I definitely get a better response when, when I'm posting more consistently and then, and then I put out a song and I continue to post and follow up with it and it's all related to the, to the brand and it, it makes sense with the brand. There's a much better response to, to anything I put out rather than what happened this week where I had so much going on and I completely <laughs> fumbled an entire release. Yeah, so I would I would completely agree with you, hundred percent. I think it's it's really easy to to do that to have things fall off and get sidetracked because yeah, we all have so much going on all the time. So I think the point here is to avoid that before you even start making plans for 
the rest. Just sit down, pull out a pen and paper, and do even do it right now. I'll, I'll wait for you to go do that. Grab a pen and paper or, you know, pull over your car. Please don't note take and drive. We're not trying to kill anybody here. But sit down and ask yourself these questions about your music. What is the mood? Is there a theme? Who are the listeners? And what are their interests? So write those down and I'll, I'll say them again for you so you can you can write them down. What's the mood? Is there a theme? Who are the listeners? And what are their interests? So four questions. Now, let's quickly go through these questions one by one. And, and then you can kind of get down to answering them for yourself and creating the full picture of your brand. So question number one, what's the mood? This is not all, actually all that hard. Use your music. So maybe you need to brainstorm a bit, but if you have consistent music, this part shouldn't be too, too crazy to figure out. Just think, is, is it uplifting? Is it melancholy or pissed off? Mm. Is it inspiring? Etc. Like the sky's the limit here. You can kind of choose any sort of mood words to describe this. Choose one to three words to describe this mood. You don't want more than that. I think two is really the sweet spot here, actually. It allows you to go deeper than just saying, you know, happy or whatever, but like it also doesn't allow you to muddy the waters and try and squeeze too much into your description. Two words will still be super, super specific. So I'll try and give you an example here. So say I'm an artist and my mood words are bittersweet and nostalgic. So th those two words, that instantly puts images in my mind and gives me a direction for the rest of my brand. All of my content that I'm going to create should kind of fit into those two categories, bittersweet and nostalgic. If it fits both those things, it probably fits my brand pretty well. So does that make sense? It's, it's kind of like deciding the color profile that you're going to be working with on a painting mm -hmm. or something like that. You're going to be working with all cool colors, all like shades of blue or something like that. Yeah, you got to give yourself a palette. That's something that's crazy that you bring that up, man. That's actually something I've been thinking about a lot recently, like palettes of color when I'm when I'm working on music even. Just like what 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 feelings do I want to paint with? Yeah, I mean it, it's not even really a metaphor like it like you could be we could be talking about literal colors here yeah. in addition to the the colors in your music mm -hmm. so yeah like what have what have you been been going for lately i've been going for a lot of like very stress sounding stuff i have this one song i'm working on where it's very empty and it, it gets real hectic but i feel like a lot of a lot of my music has that sort of characteristic where it's almost bipolar like verses are real chill and then the, the hooks are real big and aggressive. I think that's kind of uh, a cool thing to mention, too. So, so like the two words I gave, bittersweet and nostalgic, mm -hmm. those are kind of like the same mood. But you also don't have to have it be two or three words that are all similar to one yeah. another. You can use contrasting words, too, mm -hmm. like chill and hectic. Like yeah, those exactly. could be <laughs> the two kind of ends 
of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a, a really cool thing to, a really useful thing to think about when you're trying to set up your brand. So moving on to question two, is there a theme? Is there a bigger picture or a bigger point to all of this, to you and your music? I don't know, maybe you want to raise awareness about mental health and suicide prevention. That's a, a huge noble cause. Maybe you are you know, looking to inspire women to challenge gender norms. Or maybe you just want to inject some positivity in a culture that focuses a lot on the negative stuff. Like we see that all the time. So those are all themes that can influence what kind of music you write and how you present yourself and your music. Mm. Yeah. And you don't even necessarily have to have a theme. This is why this question is uh, a yes or no question you can answer no and that's fine but having a theme can make some parts of building your brand easier and more impactful just something to think about to give people something to grab onto you know a theme can help inform you about what you might want to answer on the next question yeah the next question so question three and that's who are the listeners who are the people that listen to your music and you can't answer everybody here. That's cheating. That's off limits. <laughs> you have to ask yourself, who am I doing this for? And give it some real thought. So for from all the artists that I've talked to, everybody's snap reaction seems to be like, I make music for myself. And that's fine. Nobody likes to hear it, but I call BS on that every time. Mm-hmm. That maybe that's harsh. To me, it's a nice sounding thing to say, and it seems pure and artistic, or, and that's what makes true art or something like that. But let's be real, that really isn't what music is about, I would argue. Mm-hmm. I think, and I think this is across genre, across style, across artists, I think music is about connecting people on some emotional level as sappy and hippy dippy as that description sounds it sounds weird to say but that to me is what music is really really is on a fundamental level now don't get me wrong i'm definitely not saying that everybody who gives the answer of i make music for myself i'm not saying that they're being disingenuous you definitely can make music for yourself and for other people as well. That's something you should do, in fact. It's just really difficult to define who your audience is outside from yourself. And sometimes we fall back on these sorts of ideas. So I get that. I've done this in the past too. It's it's an easy thing to fall back on. But you'll be much more successful if you can really pinpoint who you're making your art for you can tailor it in certain ways to really resonate with people. And this goes beyond popularity and things like that. We're not talking about making something popular here. We're talking about actually connecting with somebody. So in order to do this, I recommend borrowing another strategy that marketing departments for corporations use. And that is what's called a customer avatar. 
or in this case, we can think of it more as a fan avatar or an audience member avatar. So an avatar in this context is essentially a fictional person who checks all the boxes for your ideal audience, the exact person that you want your audience to be. So this person is a perfect match for you and they're going to love absolutely everything that you're about, everything that you put out, everything that you make. This is the person who's going to be all for that. So it seems a little weird to think about a person, a fictional person like this, but some companies even have names for their avatars. Like there'll be an avatar for, I don't know, Joe and an avatar Cindy or whatever. <laughs> like they'll, they'll have specific people that they use to target different things to. So if you have a theme for your brand, that can be a good place to start when brainstorming the traits of this fictional person, this avatar. But if you're still having trouble, you can always go back to yourself. And this is where that answer of I make music for myself can actually help you. So if you're writing music for yourself, what self are you writing for? And be super, super specific. Everybody has these kind of like different levels of their personality. So choose part of yourself and describe that person. Maybe you're writing for 16-year-old you who was struggling with anxiety and felt like all their friendships were super superficial and shallow. Or, or maybe you're writing for you from last year when you were running out of money and trying to piece together a way to get by without, you know, and, and wondering if you were making a mistake with the choices you made for your future. Those are kind of heavy examples, and they, they don't have to be, but you, you get the, the idea as a whole. Just write down all of the traits for that avatar so you can construct your brand to be targeted directly at them. And it may seem like narrowing down your target audience to a single imaginary person will make your brand less relatable since you're trying to talk to one person. And I don't know, our, our perception is that in order to be successful, you have to talk to everybody. But really, the opposite is true. It'll make you extremely relatable to target just that one person. Because not just the people who fit that mold exactly are going to relate to it, but anyone who can see any part of themselves in that avatar is going to feel a connection to the content that you're putting out. Does that make sense? So even though we're talking about one imaginary person here, we're still able to connect to a lot of people. Something that I would like to add to that is I recently uh, watched a interview with the owner of Raw Rolling Papers. And he was uh, interviewed by Adam22. If you are part of the hip hop community, you know who that is. It's a really awesome interview and you should definitely go watch it because the, the amount of love that guy has for rolling papers is absolutely insane. He's such, <laughs> he's such an inspiring and enthusiastic person to like watch and he's lived such an interesting life. But he says that that raw as a company makes products for individuals because he knows if, if one person smokes that way, there's going to be another person that, that could use that tool. And, you know, he says you put everybody in, in, in the world who smokes in one room, 
everybody's going to smoke a little bit differently. Like nobody's going to smoke exactly the same, but everybody is similar. So he'll make a product for, you know, this one person, but know that a hundred thousand other people could also use it. So he's not trying to appeal to a broad, you know, spectrum of people. He's focusing in on one person, but there's so many people just like that all over the world that focusing in on that one person focuses in on so much more than just that one person. I think that's that hit the nail on the head right there. Like you're focusing in on one person, but you have to think that there are however many 8 billion people on the planet right now and we say everybody's unique and that's true everybody mm -hmm. nobody's exactly the same but a lot of people have a lot of things in common so yeah. if you're marketing to and gearing your your content towards one person chances are they're actually going to be a lot of people tons of them and they're going to love you for paying attention to just that exactly they're going to feel that connection so mm -hmm. that's really our big point and that kind of leads us to our next question so question four what are their interests? Those people or that person that you have chosen as your avatar, what else are they into? And does it align with what you're into? Maybe that's rolling papers. Maybe <laughs> that's something that you can incorporate into your brand, into your image. This can be super, super broad. So I'm not going to go through a bunch of examples. It could be almost anything, but it's a useful thing to think about. You don't have to just think about your music. You can also think about the other things that those people would be into and incorporating that into what you put out there about yourself. So really, this is a good way to kind of test yourself if you're unsure that something fits within your brand. So say you're a pop artist and you have a photo that you're, you're thinking about posting to your Instagram that isn't directly related to your brand. So I don't know, maybe you bought some some new clothes, some something that's a little strange and kind of like new fashion and unique. And you're trying to figure out if people are going to just bash you and tear you to shreds on social media for posting that because it's sort of weird. So you're thinking about your avatar. And let's put a name to our avatar and say his name is Brian. So what is brian into would brian think these clothes are sick or would he think they're stupid yeah how open-minded is he about weird fashion now that you have this person that you can actually think about you can ask so those sorts of questions is brian an open-minded person the answer is going to tell you whether or not the clothes are right for your brand and it's a green light to to go post them. Mm -hmm. So really, it's kind of as easy as that. You can kind of use this person as a test for your brand to see if something is going to fit. Those four questions are really what are going to help you form the foundation of your brand. So use those four questions to form consistency across your whole brand. Consistency is really the key. I think we've really hit that point home. Like that is the point of this episode is that consistency is key. If you make death metal, you probably don't want your visuals to be light and happy. Your listeners or your the your audience, this could be on social media, your avatar, they just wouldn't get it. Your album art probably shouldn't have a bunch of puppies. Yeah. Obviously. We we know this instinctually. 
I don't know. Unless, unless it's like a demon puppy, <laughs> you might be able to get away with like a demon puppy. Who who was that band? Do you remember them? Yeah, I, they were like I've heard of them. Yeah, they were like mathcore, but with like super cartoony, like imagery on their album art and stuff. Yeah, it just didn't work for me. Oh dang! I bleep it, bleep it, bleep the name. Yeah, <laughs> but that's just an example of like this band was super niche, and that like whoever liked them really liked them. But like to everyone else, it was like, ah, uh, what you doing? You know? Yeah, I'd see it and I I don't get it. Yeah, right. So, anyways, like death metal or any genre like that, it requires a certain mood for the visuals. It's something that goes along with the genre. So your social media should reflect the same mood. And this might be a controversial thing to say, but say you're that guy in the death metal band and you're also a proud uncle. Maybe your social media shouldn't be filled with pictures of you playing with your cute little niece at the park. And then it's surrounded by like skulls and demons and corpses and, and you know, mean mugging pics from your photo shoots in the surrounding pictures all around it. It just sends a conflicting and confusing message. So I'm not saying you have to hide who you are or suppress any part of your personality for the sake of your brand. I'm just saying you need to put some thought into projecting a cohesive image when it comes to your artist career and all of the related content that goes along with that. So you can create another social media account to show the other sides of your personality if that's something that's important to you. That's that's totally okay. But having that separation can sometimes be helpful to forming this image. Yeah, like we just did that. Well, I'm about to. And I know you just did for your your running versus your or your personal versus your engineering, right? Oh yeah, you're talking about like splitting up social into two social media accounts. Yeah. So I I have my my audio engineering one accounts, and I have my mixed by Manix. Yeah, yeah, mixed by Manix. <laughs> Little plug. And then I have my my artist account, which is also my personal account, but I'm about to flip them because I've been posting my personal things all along on my my artist account, or what is now my artist account, but it's also my, I get credited for engineering on it too, so it gets messy. So I have, I'm currently working on splitting mine up and how I want to do that, and, and Kobe's already done that. Right, yeah, I, I just got finished doing that fairly recently where I had I had one Instagram account that was kind of everything. I was posting my I, I do a lot of running outside of like my work stuff. So I, I was posting pictures of going on big trail runs. I was posting things from home. And then I was mixing in a bunch of studio pictures also. So I the account was called run record repeat. So I tried to, you know, have running, recording and those are the main two things I do. So I was putting them all in there. But I realized pretty quickly that anybody who's following me, they're probably falling into one category or the other. They're probably following me because they want to see my running and like personal stuff because they're my friend or my family or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or they're following me because they want to see the business side of it. They want to see the studio stuff. They want to see mixing and recording pictures. So I, I split it off and made a new account that's just... Kobe Nelson, and all of that is my my studio-related social media. So we've both 
been in this situation um, where we felt the need that we needed to separate things. So everybody seems to know this on the surface level that you need to kind of have this consistency. But I see so, so many artists disregarding it or just not putting enough thought into what they put out there, especially at the beginning of their career. So later on, when you're really well-established, you've got millions of followers or, or whatever, you can get away with a whole lot more of inconsistency just because people already know what you're about mm -hmm. at that point. But at the beginning, this is absolutely essential for people to get to know you. They have to know what you're about. So you have to put out a consistent image of what you're about. So I hope this has given you some ideas about what a well-constructed brand is and how to create the framework for your own. There are tons of details that branch off of the concepts that we've given you today. So make sure you come back and listen to more because we're going to be we're going to be diving into all those. Mm -hmm. So now it's your turn. Go out and get after it. Peace. Thank you.